Welcome to Hope Denver Church. My name is Scott Lasher, and I'm one of the pastors here. Let that sink in for a minute. That, that feels really good to say. <laughs> that feels really happy, a really happy thing to say. I'm, I'm excited for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, this is the second launch, uh, soft launch service, uh, and you are all here. This has been the culmination of years of prayer and fasting and tears and triumph and calling, and God has been there all along the way, and I believe he's here with us tonight. Um, and two, the second reason I'm excited uh, is because I get to preach to you today. <laughs> um, I prayed and dreamed about this moment really for the last six and a half years uh, since God told me I was called to lead a people, and I'll tell you more about that someday, but uh, no pressure. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited uh, about this community that's just starting. I'm excited uh, about a community that was but a dream and was but a prayer and was but an idea, but now it's real and it's alive and it's because all of you are here and you're all in the building. And um, so let me get right to it. Uh, I I'm excited to share with you tonight. Um, I want to share with you from the book of Hebrews. I if you want to turn there, it's, uh, uh, this is towards the back of your, your Bible. It's in the New Testament. Um, and in the book of Hebrews, this is something that... Uh, uh, pastor Tyler, uh, another pastor here, shared with us from last week. Um, but turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Um, I believe that uh, the message that I'm about to share will, will speak to all of us. Um, but some of you, it may speak to you in a way that maybe uh, you've never seen before or, or we're not anticipating. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in, in all of your lives right now. Uh, I know that without even having met some of you. Um, because there's, uh, in the lives of the people that I'm closest to, there's things going on. There's things going on in my life, right? Um, and so uh, my goal for the message, though, is no matter how you came in today, no matter where you're at, uh, whatever your background is, I want you to leave knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with you. And uh, God, the God of the universe, is with you. That's an idea that's, that's dripping with hope, that's dripping with uh, this idea of, of why we've started this church, and we'll talk more about this, but he is with you. Let's, let's read in Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14, and uh, it'll be up on the screens for you as well. And we're going to read this out of the King James Version, not because that version is any holier, uh, but because I like the way that it says it. Um, I like the way that the translators used this uh, passage of Scripture there. So it says, in, starting in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, I just pray once again that you would uh, allow me to step out of the way now, God, and let your words flow through me so that someone here can hear something that brings a new hope uh, to their life uh, and to what they have going on, Lord. Uh, if it's one person, Lord, I step out of the way now and ask that you would work your will uh, through the words that I speak. It's in your name we pray. So I was talking to one of my coworkers this week. Um, for those of you who don't know, 
Uh, a majority of our pastoral team is bivocational, as we're just getting this thing started. And I was at a trade show uh, for my, my, uh, my other job that I use to support what I'm doing here. <laughs> and uh, I was at a trade show in Orlando, so I had a lot of time to spend with my coworker there this week. Uh, you know, when you're at a trade show, you're standing at a booth and waiting for people to come by and, and, and ask you about what you do. And so as we were waiting, I, I had a lot of time to spend with her. And, and we got around to the idea that I'm part of a team that's starting a church in Denver. And, and she knew this a little bit from some of our prior conversations. Uh, but we spent some more time talking about it. And I got around to inviting her today. She's, she's actually not here today. But um, I invited her. And, 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 and the reason she's probably not here is as we, as we started talking about it and I invited her, she said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, she said, I tried religion once. Um, and it was way too rigid for me, she said. And, uh, and so, of course, I asked her what she meant by that, and she said uh, something else interesting. She said, I just feel like religion is all about rules. Uh, I feel like if you don't do everything a certain way, and uh, I'm just not good enough to measure up, and I figure, why bother with all of that, is what she said. And, and that struck me, uh, as it maybe strikes a lot of you in the room. Uh, what I think my coworker was expressing is a view of God that is pervasive in our current cultural moment. Uh, Mark Sayers is a pastor of Red Church in Australia, and he's been fairly influential with our pastoral team, and he's become a, a really a highly sought-after commentator uh, for his insights into faith and contemporary culture. And um, he writes in his book, Disappearing Church, uh, while cursory glances at our culture's religious hue can give one the impression of atheism, the majority of Westerners hold to a belief in a pleasant afterlife and a benevolent Christian-esque God. However, the dogma of the kingdom of God is reframed as the pursuit and possibility of a perfected, inclusive, civil society. Uh, he goes on to write that the culture at large has, quote, moved beyond the need for concrete forms of church and association, and instead for a culture based on a shared opinion, manifested in a language based on a correctness of speech, opinion, and belief. And I think what Sayers is saying at its most basic level uh, is that the church has been rejected as not inclusive enough, uh, based too much in rules and dogma, and has been replaced with what really amounts to a different form of religion and dogma, if you really think about it, uh, centered around what has been deemed as something more inclusive, and to use my co-worker's words, perhaps less rigid. Um, and uh, in other words, there's, there's something deeper to live for in the cultural ideologies than in the church's ideologies. Uh, I want to speak to you, though, from the subject today, a hope to live for. A hope to live for. That's the subject for today. As I was, think, as I was talking about this uh, a minute ago, Tyler, another of our pastors here, he uh, was one of my best friends as well. Uh, he taught last week, and he said we, have, um, we, we really had no idea that we'd be preaching from the same book of the Bible in Hebrews, but that's kind of the way God works. Um, and where this passage is, uh, it, and it resides, is really what I believe God wants to do today is extend that idea that, that Tyler was talking about last week. And if you didn't hear it or you weren't here, uh, you can go back and listen to it on our podcast. We have a podcast. Uh, just search Hope Denver Church in whatever podcast forum you like, or you can go to HopeDenverChurch.com 
and click on our podcast page. Uh, but you should listen to that because Tyler taught us about living in a community of hope. Uh, and he broke down the book of Hebrews very well, and I won't go into as much detail as he did here for the sake of not being repetitive, but one of the elements of the book of Hebrews that Tyler explained that will be critical to our study and ongoing study of it today, and what I'm talking about in what I've just brought up, uh, is that the idea of the writer of Hebrews is really doing something of a comparative analysis uh, throughout the entire book. Um, Think of it kind of like a, a Coke and a Pepsi test, right? Uh, they have the same texture, uh, they look the same, uh, you couldn't really tell which one is different uh, if you were just comparing them by looking at them, right? Um, and for the writer of the book of Hebrews, in one of his cups, uh, or her cups, we don't really know who wrote the book, but uh, in one cup, uh, they have the old covenant that was given to us through the Old Testament. And in the other cup, he has the New Testament, uh, a new covenant that was given to us through Jesus. And he's doing a comparative analysis through the entire book so that we can understand that what we have in our day, what we have in our time right now, uh, us and the people he was writing to, I would say, uh, is through the blood of Jesus is a better thing. Uh, The main thing for the book of Hebrews is it is a book of better things. Uh, And what the writer is saying in the text that we read, he says, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched. The implication is that what came before was far worse than what we have now because under the old covenant, there were high priests as well, uh, but they could not be touched. (laughs) Uh, This is almost a comparative analysis, if you get where I'm headed, between religion and relationships. Um, Religion has this feel in our contemporary cultural moment of being very cold and very sterile And um, uh, relationship, though, is very intimate. It's compassionate. Uh, It has touch and it has feel. And it says in this passage that he is with us because he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. (laughs) So you have to understand that at the time that this was written and to the audience that this was written to, uh, this would have been shocking. This would have been very shocking. Uh, Because under the Old Testament, there were all kinds of rules and regulations that said the high priest could not be touched. Uh, If you handled the dead or or touched dead bodies, uh, you you couldn't touch the high priest. Uh, You would have had to go through, you know, ceremonial cleansings and washings, and you would have had to wait a certain amount of days before you could approach the priest again. There were many things like this that had rules and regulations around them. And you see, I think that religion has a tendency to cause you to not draw near, right? Uh, It has a tendency to be somewhat untouchable. Uh, It it has a tendency to separate and divide. And just like my my coworker thought that uh, the culture at large sees Christianity as uh, nothing but a religious ideology that forces someone to do something, to be welcome. It forces someone to to leave something behind, to be welcome. Uh, It sees people who claim to follow Jesus even as judgmental, and is harsh and caustic because before you can touch us, you have to do this and you have to do that, but you certainly can't do that, right? Uh, this, is, this is what people uh, like my coworker think and how they perceive. But for the writer of the book of Hebrews, they are emphatic about the idea that with Jesus, we have a high priest that can be touched. Jesus did not come to bring us uh, a religious ideology to say, 
uh, things like stay back and, and only come on Sunday and uh, eat this only on Wednesdays and, and uh, walk five steps and then be still. He said, uh, Jesus didn't come to lock you down into systems, which you had before he died. Uh, the writer is saying that we have a high priest who can be touched. By saying someone with infirmities, with afflictions, who is broken, who is wounded, who has needs, uh, who has no hope, could touch a high priest at all, would have been a direct violation of the law at the time this was written. And what the writer of the book of, of Hebrews is doing by saying these things is they are warning us to not get stuck in those religious systems again, but to take religion into the purpose for which it existed in the first place, which, as Tyler argued, and I believe, is to take us into relationship. You don't have to understand uh, anything out of this if you simply understand that Jesus is accessible. Uh, you, don't you don't touch him, uh, you don't get to have access to him because you're so worthy uh, or because you've done everything right or you're so good or you're so clean or you kept all the law. He's accessible to you and he's near to you. And what this passage, the heart of it really is, is the saying that he is with you. He is with you. And it's because of your infirmities. Those are the things that touch him. Your humility touches him. Your tears touch him. Your needs touch him. This is a complete departure from that traditional line of thinking that we've been talking about. Because they used to believe that anyone who had infirmities like this could not come close to God. But now Jesus was wounded for our failures. He was bruised for our inequities. And he, as a result, is able to empathize in our weaknesses, and it enables him to be with us in the midst of anything and everything that you're facing. All of this put together, what this means is you can reach him. You can touch him. You don't need special people in the church to reach him. You don't have to reach me and ask me to reach him. You don't have to reach any of us and ask him to reach him. You don't have to come into a special building. You don't have to wear special clothes. You don't have to do anything. You can reach him while you're sitting in your car. You can reach him in your cubicle at work. You can reach him when you're dropping your kids off at school. You can reach him while you're helping them with their homework. You can reach him while you have your neighbors over for dinner. Are you getting a picture? You can reach him while you're in a classroom and your professor drones on. You can reach him when you go out with your friends on Friday night. The point is that we serve a God who can be reached. And because he can be reached, it means he's with you. There is no religious practice in the world that will make that more or less true. God is with you. It even says in Matthew 1, to 23, we receive the account of Jesus' birth. And it says they called Jesus Emmanuel which literally means God with us. He is always with us. He's near to us. He's accessible when we need him. Dallas Willard is a prominent philosopher, uh, and he expanded on this idea in his book, Knowing Christ Today. He said, if you really want to know Christ now, you have somehow to set aside the cloud of images and impressions that rule the popular as well as academic mind, Christian and non-Christian alike. You must try to think of him as an actual human being 
with a peculiar human context who actually has had the real historical effects that he did up to the present time. You have to take him out of the category of religious artifacts and holy holograms that dominate presentations of him in a modern world and see him as a man. That's really what the writer of Hebrews is trying to show us in the passage we read. By seeing Jesus as a man, as someone who suffered as we do, someone who is as tempted as we are, someone who was real, and not just an ornament of this idealized concept of maybe a a, a perfected society or a religious society, we begin to understand that his death and his resurrection means that he can be with us in whatever circumstance we're facing, in whatever situation we're going through. He is with us. He went through what you're facing. He knows how to comfort you. See, Jesus even said before he ascended to heaven, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I think it changes everything when you truly believe that. Because when you really believe it, you have hope in any situation that you encounter. That's the hope of Jesus. God has led us to call this church Hope Denver Church. And we exist to bring hope to the people of Denver through encountering God, belonging in community, and serving others. Hope is why this church exists. Because there are so many people in our city, and maybe even some of you in this room, who need this kind of hope. Not the hope of rules or ways of thinking created by people or religious systems, but a hope rooted in a God that went to great lengths to exist with us, in community with us, because he loves us, he loves you, and he wants to give you a hope and a future. Flip over to the book of Revelation with me, if you will. Uh, In the book, a man named John has had a vision and a revelation of an encounter with Jesus, Uh, In the book of Revelation, God describes himself. This is in Revelations 1.8, if if you're turning there. We have it up on the screens as well. And it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter. And what God is saying here is, I am the beginning and the end. I am the A and I'm the Z. I was there before you got started, and I'll be there when you finish. Uh, He is uh, the God who is, who was, and who is to come. And so, go with me for a minute on this. If in Hebrews that we learned that the blood of Jesus made God accessible to us, made him exist with us, and God is a God who was, and who is, and who is to come, then I don't believe it would all be a stretch to say God is, God was, and God will be with me and with you. And the best way that I can think of to know that regardless of your past or your present or your future, that you can have this hope that we've been talking about is to show you how God was with you, how he is with you, and how he will be with you. And so let me give you an example of this from my own personal experience uh, about how God will be with you. Um, when I was a kid, I, I played goalie in hockey. <laughs> um, I was kind of crazy uh, to have a flying rubber hit at me at 90 miles an hour. Um, but I was actually pretty good. Um, 
I had some uh, super expensive pads. Uh, thanks, Mom and Dad. They're, they're here uh, tonight. Thank you for those. Um, and I was elected to play in an all-star game my sophomore year uh, and junior years, and I was on a team that made it to the semifinals of the state championship my junior year, uh, and it was awesome. It was, uh, it was pretty good, actually. I was, I was pretty decent. But, you know, looking back on, on playing hockey, uh, my dad was always there, uh, like he's here tonight, uh, at every game. Uh, even, even my stupid little Skate City Rec League games uh, that didn't mean anything in a stinky and smelly uh, germ-infested roller skating rink, um, he came and he was at my games. Uh, he was always there. Um, but one year, I remember, I was, I was asked kind of at the last minute to go and play uh, goalie for a competitive team down in Colorado Springs. Uh, it was a tournament going on down there, and um, it was a competitive team that was in town from St. Louis, and I knew the coach from some other hockey that I'd played, and, and the coach was really desperate. His goalie couldn't make the trip, so, so he asked me if I would come down and do it, and I agreed to do it, but it was sort of last minute, and so uh, my dad's work schedule didn't allow him uh, to be there for, for my games on, on Friday of that particular tournament. Um, and, and this is one of the only times that I can remember that, that my dad wasn't there for, for one of my games. Um, so anyways, I'm playing in this tournament, and I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the team I'm playing for wins the first game, and, uh, and then we have another game after lunch, and we lost that one. Uh, but that put us into position to play uh, into the play-in game to go into the championship uh, that night. Um, and so the game started, and I looked up in the stands, and my dad wasn't there. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be there. Um, but this game started out horribly. <laughs> this was really bad. Like, within the first... 15 seconds of the game, I got scored on uh, several other times early on, and we were down pretty quickly. Uh, the game was basically out of reach by the end of the first period <laughs> in this one. And um, at this point, I, I got really mad <laughs> because I was not playing very well. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to leave it all out there. And uh, at the start of the second period, this kid that was really doing all the scoring, uh, he was really fast and he was good with the puck. Uh, he deflects a pass on the other end of the rink, and, it start, and it, because he deflected it, it, it starts coming down the ice, and he's on his horse, and he's about to have a breakaway uh, again. <laughs> and so he's racing after it, and I decide in a split second, I'm going to leave my net, and I'm going to go meet him and try to knock this away from him because there was nobody else that could, could have stopped him. So I'm racing after it. He's racing after it. We're both going after the puck, and uh, he doesn't put the brakes on, nor do I, and so we collide pretty violently <laughs> at about where the blue line would be. And um, he's laying there. I'm pretty far out of my net. My helmet goes flying off, and I smack my head on the ground. And, and because of the recoil, and I was probably out for, for maybe a second or two, um, I, was, I was laying there with my face to the ground, and I was hurting, uh, more stunned than anything, really. And the first thought that came to my mind, though, as I was laying there on the, the, the floor of the ice rink, uh, was my dad is going to come and make sure I'm okay. That was the first thing that I thought of. Uh, now, keep in mind, I didn't even know he was in the building. <laughs> I didn't even know that he was around. I didn't even know that he was in the vicinity. But lo and behold, I turned over, and there's my dad running on to the rink. And he was there to help me in my time of need. Uh, in a difficult moment, even though I didn't know he was going to be there, he was there with me. And I'm thankful for a heavenly father that works the same way. <laughs> I'm thankful for a heavenly father that even when it doesn't feel like it, even when you don't know it, 
even when there's a situation in your life that doesn't seem like God could possibly be involved, he's there. He's gone ahead of you, and he will be ready to care for you in your time of need. You can know that with confidence today, that whatever God is doing, whatever thing is happening in your life, that God is there because he is the God who is to come. Whatever is happening in your future, God will meet you there because he is the God who is to come. Now, see, the coolest part about that little anecdote I just told you to me is because my dad had always been there in my past, it gave me confidence to believe that he would be there in the future. Uh, Because he is a God who was, he is also with you. And even with that in mind, sometimes there's things that come up in our life, there's valleys in our life that can make it hard to believe that God was with you in those difficult times. But that's why I love Revelation 1.8. He is not only the God who is, he is the God who was. Sometimes the best way for you to believe that God is with you in the dark times and in the valleys of your life and what you're facing when those things are difficult is to look back on what God has brought me through. And look back on your yesterday to see how God has brought you through those difficult things in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of you have had a lot of pain in your past. And I don't presume to know about the pain that you've carried and maybe are carrying in here today. But God isn't with you just in the best of times. He's with you even in the valleys. Uh, There's a story in the Bible that I'm sure we can examine in depth another time about a future king of Israel, uh, a guy named David. Um, And he says this in Psalms 23, 4. Uh, He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And he says right there, for you are with me. And in this story in the Bible, what David said was uh, he was about to go fight a giant (laughs) named Goliath. Maybe you've heard this story. And he said something interesting before he was about to go into this this fight, into this battle. He said, um, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from this giant too. And he took Goliath down. Uh, He was looking back at what he'd been through. He was looking back at what God had already saved him from, what already God had been with him in. And it gave him the confidence to know that God would help him through that too. See, I can look back over my life and I can see how God was with me even when I didn't know what he was doing in the background. If you just take a moment, even as I'm talking right now, and think back over your life and slow down for a minute, even the most difficult circumstances in your life, you can see where God was with you. You can see the faithfulness of God even in those difficult times. If you look back today, you can find some evidence that God was with you. Uh, Even when you were going through tough things that you didn't want to go through. And the whole reason for some of you, the whole reason that you're here, the whole reason that you're even alive maybe, uh, is because of a loving God who put some people in your life or uh, put some roadblocks or or put something in your way or or, or moved you in a different direction uh, because There were things that he did that way to help you get through whatever it was, even if you didn't know it at the time. 
So I'm grateful when I look back and see what God has taken me through and how he has been involved in my life because it helps you to realize that God never left you, uh, that he's always there. He's, he's a person. He's real. He's with you. And I would say he's with us even now. And so I came today to remind somebody who's here or who's listening to this that he was with you even through the divorce. He was with you even through the bankruptcy. He was with you even through that job loss. He was with you even through the abuse you suffered. He was with you even when someone took advantage of you. He was with you when you lost your loved one because God wanted to show you now, today, right in this moment, that he was with you through it all. And I think that's probably worth clapping for, that God was with you even though you didn't know it. Sometimes when something difficult comes along in your life and is subtracted from your life, you can be tempted into believing that your life is on a decline. <laughs> but there is no way that you can be on a decline when you have the hope of Jesus. When Jesus is with you, there's no way that you can go down because Jesus is ever-increasing, brighter and brighter to a perfect day. If God has come along in your life and taken something out or removed it or put you on a different path than you would like, it's only a sign that something is better than the thing before is coming. God is a God of crescendo. He always takes you to something better, never lesser. God is never taking you backwards. He's taking you forwards. Uh, he isn't in the business of diminishing you. He's in the business of increasing you. <laughs> he doesn't want to divide you. God wants to multiply you. He doesn't want to subtract from you. He wants to add to you and any other math equations you can come up with. There are so many of us who know that God maybe would have given up on us a long time ago. <laughs> but you're still here and you're still standing by the grace of God and what he brought you through. And it's because even in those circumstances where you were, maybe you were far from Jesus, maybe uh, you decided to go your own way and wander away from the things that he was bringing you through, uh, maybe you decided to, to, to leave him and go on your own path. But even in that, even in your inequity in that situation, even in those difficult times where he felt like maybe he wasn't near, you could still touch him. He was still there because he is a God who is with you. And that's the message that I hope you take hold of today. The gospel is not the promise of absence of trouble in our lives. It's really the promise of the presence of Jesus in our trouble. He is with you. He is the source of our hope. And so if God is with you, that means the whole world can be against you. <laughs> Maybe some of you came in today feeling like that. But you can have confidence. You can have hope. And I said all of this that I've said today to really make this point. A commitment to a life with Jesus isn't about rules to live by, but a hope to live for. A hope that represents the presence of Jesus in our lives from the beginning to the end. A hope that represents that you are valued by God. And you need to know this. God's presence in your life has always been there. He has always been there. But in order for you to experience the fullness of his presence in your life, sometimes it requires us to take a step of faith. 
This is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about when he says, Therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. Because Jesus has been there, because he continues to be with us and he will be with us, we don't have to hesitate to come to his throne when we have a need, to come to him when we have a need. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. The response on your part uh, that I'm talking about here, and I think the writer of Hebrews is talking about, uh, isn't to clean up your life. It's not to change your behavior. Uh, it, that's religion that Jesus came to undo. Those are rules to live by. But no, Jesus came so that you have a calling to live for. God's mercy and his grace is given freely. He is our high priest who can be touched without you cleaning up anything about who you are or where you've been. The worship band is going to come back up now, and we've been singing that song, I Know That You're With Me. I want to allow you a moment to reflect as they're coming on what you've heard today. The question to consider is, where does my hope come from? Does it come from what I think I can do? Does it come from what I think the systems might allow me to do? <laughs> I think he's come to us tonight. And for someone in here, he's come to you tonight. He's here. You don't have to earn it. He's with you. He was with you. He will be with you.